Mark your calendars! The ADCES 24 Annual Conference parades into New Orleans August 9-12, through 12, 2024. Registration opens March 26, but you can start planning your trip now. Get ready to seize opportunities to connect, learn, and optimize your diabetes care and education practice. Stay tuned for updates at adces24.org. Hello, and welcome to ADCES's podcast, The Huddle, Conversations with the Diabetes Care Team. In each episode, we speak with guests from across the diabetes care space to bring you perspectives, issues, and updates that elevate your role, inform your practice, and ignite your passion. I'm Kirsten Yale, Associate Director for Research at the Association of Diabetes Care and Education Specialists. Today, we bring you a special episode recorded on location at ADCES 22 in Baltimore last August. For several weeks now, we've been bringing you captured conversations from the conference to give a preview of the experts, technology, trends, and topics you'll find at the event. You can expect to find more valuable education, perspectives, and discussions at ADCES 23 in Houston. So mark your calendars for August 4th through 7th, 2023, and join us as we celebrate 50 years of advancing diabetes care and education. In this episode, we talk to Dr. Allison Hughes, a professor at Ohio University's Diabetes Institute. She's a research psychologist by training and has developed a unique ability to turn data into policy change. You'll hear her unique perspective as a researcher and person with diabetes and get some direction on how you can leverage your researcher findings for real change in the world of policy. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Allie. Allison, welcome to the huddle. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. We are so excited to have you. And you know what? I've had the chance to work with you over the past few years. You know, you have one of these amazing backgrounds. Um, You're a quant person, right? So we can say, so you're totally interested in data. You've used data most of your life, um, most of your career, I should say. And what's really cool about you is you turn data into policy. Mm -hmm. And it's a passion of yours that we've talked about so often. Mm -hmm. Not many people are doing this. And as we know right now in this current state of our nation and the price of diabetes, turning data into policy is so important. So I think that's where we're going to go with this conversation. So excited to have that conversation with you. But before we jump into it, why don't you tell people a little bit about you? I mean, I would love for people to hear about who you are and what drives you. Yeah, no problem. So I am a professor at Ohio University. I recently started. I'm going into my second year as faculty. And I am with the Diabetes Institute there in the Department of Primary Care, where I get to mentor med students all the way up until boards and get them out the door. And it's really exciting to train the next generation of medical professionals and get them thinking about diabetes language, get them thinking about what they're going to see as primary care providers. And I really, really love my job. It's been really great so far. So as a behavioralist, you know, you bring a different aspect to the care team. In your work at Ohio University, you get to work with med students in the medical school which is a really unique space to be in. So how has that supported your research and how is that springboarding you to where you want to go next? Yeah, so as far as research goes, it really takes a team. I'm sure as many people listening know, you have to have a really, really good team. And so when I'm collecting data, I want to have people that are multidisciplinary. I want to have nurses on board. I want to have med students on board. I want to have pharmacists on board. I want to get everyone's opinions because 
you know, I'm a research psychologist. And although I've had diabetes for almost 27 years, I don't have always that clinical perspective that I really need. So right now in a project we're working on aging and type 1 diabetes, one of my students has type 1 and he's coding interviews from that perspective with our code book. And it's just fascinating to see how this works out. It's just like this perfect, succinct kind of collaboration that we have going right now. So it's a perfect, succinct collaboration, but I'll tell you, coding is hard. And it's so time consuming. And these projects, it's so hard because this is a project. We collected data right before the pandemic started. And so, as you can imagine, it just kind of took the back burner. But what's really sad about this data is even though for some they would say, this is a couple years old, this is getting a little old, policy hasn't changed. Right. The policy hasn't changed. All these issues that our older adults with type 1 were saying, their healthcare providers were saying, their caregivers were talking about, same policy issues, same things that are still the problem today in this moment right now. So what I will say is, although I am quant trained, I trained myself qualitatively as well, because when I was looking at different products that were health policy and research products, I really felt like the voice of the person with diabetes and their social circle, their support system wasn't represented. And I was frustrated by that as a naturally chatty person and as someone who really likes to give example quotes and everything I do in the science realm. And so I started self-training myself, you know, started talking to others about how they were collecting data. And years later, I've been able to gain some expertise in qualitative and use these example quotes in the policy work I do now, including meeting with legislators. Yeah, those example quotes, and I've seen you use them in your writing, are really super persuasive. They're very impactful. So, And I do want to get to that policy piece because that's yeah. really where you have made an impact. Before we go there, I want to jump back for a second and talk about this data because you have a data set. We've talked about, you know, cleaning that data set and like, oh, my gosh, how time consuming and hard that is. So you get a great data set. Do you share your data or... Is there a data network? Do we have a data network? Is there a diabetes data network where you can access data, you know, in order to do some analysis, in order to share it and then, you know, move policy? Where do we get this data? Yeah. So a lot of the existing data is put forward by, you know, CMS, so Medicare and Medicaid of different states. Each year they will go ahead and support kind of like a state of the health in our state. And so right now I'm actually working on the state of the health perspective for an annual report for Ohio. So we're looking at disability, we're looking at diabetes, we're looking at many different things. But the problem is it's still within a silo because a lot of times it's already collected data. So maybe a question was asked a certain way that you didn't quite like it because you're a picky researcher like myself. Or maybe you wish they would have, you know, dug in a little deeper to something. And that's where qualitative comes in is that you're able to really get into talking to someone about their every day, mm -hmm. what makes them happy. You build rapport in the beginning. The other day I did an interview and I got to talk to someone about their plants in their garden. And that's very joyful for me, too. I get to, you know, learn about how they have this amazing garden that they get to provide food on their table with. And so it's things like that. It's the little pieces that really build up to having really good data. It, like I said, it takes a really good team and you know, I've been at this for years now, so early career, but been at it for years. And I'm, I'm learning something almost every day at this point. 
Well, in order to get that data, you have to build trust, which mm-hmm. is I love that gardening, you know, your, your gardening example there, too, especially because I don't have a green thumb and I really struggle. I can never. Uh, right. You, yeah. you and I both see we have so many similarities, right? Yeah. If it's not a cactus, it's not living in my home. So uh-huh. <laughs> appreciate you taking that dive into data because it's so important, especially for everybody here at this conference. I mean, I think we talk a lot about like talk with data, but, you know, how how do people access data? So you really gave us that jump into how do you get the data? Yeah. And I will say, too, the T1D Exchange does have a really nice registry where they have data from not only adults with type 1, but also parents of minors with type 1. You can also, you know, get registry information there where they have a nice data set that you can pull from. And, you know, there's uh, also the QIC through the T1D Exchange. I mean, they have a, a huge database that they go ahead and publish on all the time. And so I highly recommend those resources as well. That's fantastic. And the more that we can share data, I mean, the more that we can develop solutions and influence policy, yes, which is where our conversation is going, because ADCS has supported you in any way that we can mm-hmm. um, to help support the policy change that you're pushing. Yeah. Love to hear you talk about that a little bit, how you've translated data into changing policy. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't realize it really when I started, but I've always, uh, for the last couple of years, I've been just by chance doing health policy work. I didn't realize it, but I constantly was seeing in the summary of my data, oh, cost is really an issue. Oh, access is really an issue. Oh, you know, someone's talking about Medicare being a barrier or they got kicked off of Medicaid. You know, they weren't able to get their products in time. And the more I thought about it, I was like, why am I not thinking about this more? And how can I take this chunk of data I have, these bullet points that I have in impact legislators. And I was able to do that this year with ADCES for the virtual Hill Day and meet with different legislators in my state and their staff and talk to them about the data I know, the data that I present, but also these specific pieces of legislation that I wanted them to vote on. And it was really satisfying to see their questions and know more about what their background was and how they wanted to support us. You know, it was really great. And how was the reception like with you working with your legislators? It was really good. I mean, there's definitely I've heard that it can be a mixed bag as far as some people are like, yes, I'm definitely co-sponsoring this bill. And I'm so glad that you're talking about it with me today. And others may have questions that you're like, okay, you obviously don't have the expertise that we need you to have to represent people with diabetes and all the care professionals involved. And so that was definitely something I saw this year with some of the recommendations. Um, One legislative aide recommended to me that I go to Canada to get my insulin in order to save money. And so we had a follow-up conversation (laughs) after that. So what aid recommended that? Yes. Oh, my goodness. That's the state of our nation right now, huh? Yes. I mean, it's something that they think is normal and they think it would be okay financially for me to go ahead and do that. So that's it's something to remember is that there's a huge lack of information. I mean, people can't even agree in the general public on how diabetes is successfully successfully air quotes managed and treated, let alone what the price of insulin should be and how we should get access to it. So there's so many layers to this conversation that's unfortunately been politicized. And so for people like me coming in 
with 27 years of diabetes experience, you know, living with it, you know, being low income as a kid and being on assistance and and knowing that, I mean, honestly, one time uh, we lost our insurance because my dad made just $20 too much. And I didn't even know I'd lost my access. And so, you know, these are the kind of broken programs we have is that if you're making just slightly more money, that $20 wasn't even enough at that time to get a pretty cheap bottle of Humalog, you know, of insulin. But at this point, you know, we're still having those access issues. And so insurance is a major, major issue in this country. And, and that's why I share my story. That's why I do the research that I do is because I came from that background and I know how difficult it is. And so that's why I do it. Yeah. And this is the first time I'm I'm hearing that story from your past, which is and and honestly, Ellie, that is so that that's that's incredibly impactful right there. Yeah. Walking around this conference, hearing so many things happen. This is the first time we're meeting in person again after so many years. And yeah. I'm curious to hear, as somebody who does take data, who does do research and pushes it into policy, what are you hearing? What is the buzz around the conference? What's ringing bells in your head? Like, this is what we need to change. This is our next, this this should be our next platform for change, or this is what still needs to change. Yeah, even with everyone here and everybody coming from different backgrounds and different clinics that they're supporting, you know, in different areas of the country and of the world, I'm hearing a lot of really positive feedback about, okay, let's go ahead and make change around diabetes language, you know, person first and strengths-based language. Let's go ahead and think more about how we can, like I said, take our legislators and meet with them and speak appropriately with them to get them to vote for people like me and people like, you know, surrounded by us right now. So I think we're getting there. I mean, you know, Julia Blanchett and her financial toolkit. I mean, we are these tools are being developed, but we're still there's so much more work to do. I feel like I could have five careers and still I couldn't get through everything I want to get through because there's just so much to change. Right. You know. So I'm wondering when you talked about language and the person first language and thinking about that story you just talked about when you were seven years old, a little bit older and your dad, you know, making $20 too much over. Yeah. How much, you know, you, you've been empowered to make amazing change in this space. Yeah. And you really have made a dent, more than a dent. How much do you think person first language will empower young people to do the same thing that you've done? Yeah, I think it's a very powerful thing. I think it's entirely up to them, of course, how they want to be seen and what they want to identify as. We just had diabetes camp at Ohio University and some people identified as diabetic and some people did not. And you know, that is totally fine. They get to choose. It's their identity, right? But I think if we're not yelling, we're not being abrasive. If we're able to have some compassion Mm -hmm. and less shame, blame, all those things that unfortunately many of us with diabetes see, you know, in clinic, especially in peds, you know, saying, "Why, why did you do that? What were you thinking? You know, it's one of those things where I think we could really, really make some change. Right. It's a small thing. It doesn't even cost anything. That's what I love about that change. Other policy changes, there's going to be some effort involved. Right. There may be some money that has to be thrown down. But if we're just going to go ahead and change the way that we speak to people with diabetes and really how we treat ourselves as well, 
Yeah. The compassion is there. That doesn't cost anything. Well, and I'm going to bring up one of these financial terms that all the administrators <laughs> like to hear. Yeah. Return on investment. ROI, right? I knew you were going to say it. Yeah. Well, you drove me to it. So see, you're impacting me. You're influencing me. <laughs> and then hopefully with this podcast, we influence a broader population here. Yeah. What would be you know, a couple big ideas you'd like to leave people with? Yeah, I want to say that you can take your data and even after it's gone through the academic spin of, OK, it's been at conferences and it's been published and, you know, you're you're like, OK, we're done with this data. Think about quoting it in a policy piece. Think about an op ed. Think about a position statement paired up with ADCES and others. It's not a huge haul as something that I've been able to do. And it's very satisfying. And it's something that I think really does leave a dent in the market thinking about how can we go ahead and literally have meeting with legislators, I can literally say, here's the pieces I can hand you a one pager of how to change what I'm talking about today. Right. So with that idea that we're all thought leaders, everybody at this conference can be a thought leader. A hundred percent. Yeah. Especially in the age of social media, it's 2022 and we have a lot of power and a lot of change that we can promote. It just comes down to deciding what you want to do with it. Like, what are you most passionate about? And it doesn't have to be language. It doesn't have to be cost. You know, it can really be any other area of diabetes, but you know, like I said, it's a, it's a low cost perspective that we can make that change. Well, I love these conversations that we have, whether it's, you know, on a podcast or over coffee and you always leave me empowered. So I truly appreciate all of our conversations. I can't wait to see where you go with your career in the future. And I hope you can come on again and have another chat with us on The Huddle. Sounds great. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Allie. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Huddle. Make sure to download the resources discussed on today's episode. You can find them linked in the show notes at diabeteseducator.org forward slash podcast. And remember, being an ADCES member gets you access to many resources, education, and networking opportunities. Learn about the many benefits of ADCES membership at diabeteseducator.org forward slash join. The information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and may not be appropriate or applicable for your individual circumstances. This podcast does not provide medical or professional advice and is not a substitute for consultation with a healthcare professional. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.